we anticipate and are prepared to get ready for Christmas and our Christmas season. Entitled this message, Have a Christ-Centered Perspective. Christmas is not just about the birth of Christ, but it's about who Christ is, what he came on earth to do, and what he, what he is coming again to accomplish, and what all this means to us today. It's not just a history lesson or review, but it's a reminder of what God has done and what he is doing. In fact, what our series is going to be about is this purpose and plan of God in all of history. We read in Luke 24 of the accounts of what the disciples encountered after Jesus was crucified and was laid in the tomb and then the ladies went early in the morning to that tomb and found nobody there. They expected to see Jesus' body and to prepare it for burial. But when they came to the tomb, first of all, the stone was rolled away, but the body was gone. And as they thought and wondered and were perplexed about what was happening, the Bible tells us that two men in dazzling apparel appeared to them, which causes us to think that these were angels. That's a description often given when angels did appear. And they had a message for these women. And he said this, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise. That's the message that the angels told to the women at the tomb. He said, he's not here, he's risen. And I want you to remember, recall what he said to you. Now we've been going through our series in Matthew, and we noted, in fact, if I can just take you quickly on, on three verses in Matthew. Matthew 16, verse 21. It says, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Notice the word must. It's imperative. He must do this. That same word must is given in Luke chapter 24 that we just read that the angel said the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be killed and, and on the third day rise. In Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23, this is the second time Jesus gives a warning or prophesies about his crucifixion, his resurrection. 1722, it says, 
as they were gathering in Galilee, Jesus said to them, The Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. Then again in Matthew 20, verse 18 and 19, for the third time, Jesus tells his disciples about his death and resurrection. Matthew 20, verse 18. See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Jesus is simply laying out the plan that God has made for all of history. Let's go back to Luke 24 and talk about Jesus' words to his disciples. So the angels at the tomb told the women there to go back now and tell the disciples what they have seen. And they go, they run back to the disciples who are huddled up together and they explain to them that they expected to see the body but the body was not there. And they may have thought anything. Maybe somebody stole it or did something to it. But they said angels appeared to them and told them that Jesus is now risen. And they share this news with the disciples, but the disciples do not believe it. It says that Peter, on his own, went and ran to the tomb to see if what the women had said was actually the case. He ran, he saw it, he believed. Now Luke 24, verse 13, tells us about the story of the disciples on the road to Emmaus. It says two believers were walking the same, very same day, the same day that Jesus rose from the dead, these two individuals are on their way to the little town of Emmaus, which is about seven miles away from where they were in Jerusalem. And as they walked together, another person, another man joined their group and went on a walk with them. The Bible tells us clearly this man was Jesus, but his appearance was hidden from them, so they didn't know who he was. He played along with them as if he didn't know the events of that day. He asked them what it is they were talking about, and they began to explain to him how sad they were because the Jesus that they hoped in had been crucified, and now even worse than that, they expected to, to, to care for his body and to give him a proper burial, but his body was nowhere to be found, and that the women had come forth with this story that he's resurrected. They didn't know what to believe. And it's at that moment that Jesus says to them, you foolish ones, and slow to believe all that the prophets have said. Look at that with me in verse 25 of Luke 24. Oh, foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary, underline that word, 
necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. Why do I use this passage as an intro to speaking of Christ's birth? For one, to help us understand that we cannot isolate Christ's birth from everything else that Christ did as the plan of God. How do you celebrate Christ? How do you celebrate Christmas? My, my burden and my challenge to you is to let Christ be the center of all that you do, of all that you think, and all of your perspective of life. Why? Because he is the very center of all that God has planned. God is the one that created all of this world, all that we see and even things we can barely see. The stars and the, the, all that are in the heavens and this earth and mankind on this earth. So God created all of this. And in his plan, the center of his plan is the work of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so just as his crucifixion and his resurrection is the plan of God, we saw that by Jesus saying, don't you know this is necessary? The angel says that he must go down to Jerusalem. He must be uh, crucified he must rise again from the dead. This is all the purpose and plan of God. So let's include this aspect of Christ coming into the world through his birth, through his physical birth, as the known plan of God. And then let's celebrate it that way. Let's challenge ourselves as Christians to have a Christ-centered perspective as we celebrate Christmas today, as we go throughout this Christmas season to keep him first and foremost in our thoughts. He is, in fact, the center of all that God is doing. Look with me in Ephesians chapter 1, where we'll spend some time this morning. We're going to start at verse 3 in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose him, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, 
making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. I'm going to pause right there. It's that last verse that captures my attention. He says, if you look at the last verse, last words of verse 9, he set forth in Christ, now verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In other words, God has set forth his son, his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and his intention, his purpose, his will for Christ, his plan for Christ is here. And he says it this way, a plan for the fullness of time. What does fullness of time mean? You can speak of all of eternity. That Christ is centered in God's plan in all of eternity. He says this, in the fullness of time, to unite all things in him. It's God's purpose in eternity, in all the history of man and beyond, to make Christ the main point and to bring all things united together in this one Jesus Christ he reemphasized in him things in heaven and things on earth that's his way of saying everything you can see and imagine comes into Christ later on at the end of this chapter, look at verse 22. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. God has invested in his plan and centered his plan around the Lord Jesus Christ. And in Christ, we have his church. In other words, those who are believers in Christ are in Christ, wrapped up into him, and Christ is, is the head. He is the, he's the main point of everything that God is doing. Now, why do I say that? Since Christ is, is the main purpose of God, shouldn't we go about our lives if we're going to live purposeful lives, should we go about our lives realizing what's significant and important and emphasized and main to God? Shouldn't that be important to us? Shouldn't that take the rightful place in our lives? If all that God is doing is wrapped up in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, shouldn't our lives be wrapped up and tied up in him? Shouldn't we see things from that perspective, from the viewpoint of God? It wouldn't be glorious if it did because we are part of that. He has chose us in Christ. He's predetermined that we will be in him and walk in obedience to him. All that he's doing is wrapped up in his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, think about his birth. 
Think about this plan for all of eternity that God puts into motion by bringing his son to life in a human body as a baby to earth. It's not just a random act. It's not just the mere fulfillment of Scripture. It is all of the point and the plan and the purpose of God wrapped up there. Think about our Christmas songs that we sing. One says, Mary, did you know? It's like, Mary, you had no idea. You could not fathom all that God was doing through this baby boy. Now, Mary knew that she was a part of the plan of God. It tells us that she pondered what it is God was doing as she looked on her firstborn baby. As she went through the processes of mothering this child, she could envision God's work, but could she possibly have imagined all that God intended and was going to accomplish through this child? Now, as we look from the eyes of Scripture through the purpose of God. By the way, I went through Ephesians because in chapters 1, 2, and 3, if you would mark out, I marked out 18 times that it deals with the purpose of God and connecting God's purpose to his very son, Jesus Christ. Ephesians is just full of making that connection for us. So saying if God has made this the center of all that he's doing, Shouldn't Christ be the center of our lives? I'm not asking simply, should you trust in Christ? Absolutely, you should trust in Christ. But I'm saying, look, not just trust in him, because some people think, hey, I, I believe history that Jesus died on the cross, and yes, he died for me and for my sin. But we go on living like that's not God's whole purpose. And not recognizing that Christ then must be centered in our own lives. Did you wake up this morning and say, thank you, God, for your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, because you gave me life, and now through him I have eternal life. I am a new being because of Christ. In fact, all of Ephesians be begins to, to emphasize and share and explode to us the blessings that we have all because we are in Christ. He starts off in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. I think that word spiritual just emphasizes the fact that it's not something physical that's temporal, that we can lose at any time. It's something that is eternal and is wrapped up in Christ. Probably can't even remember what you got for Christmas last year. And how much of that is still here today, just a year later? But it's saying in Christ we have spiritual blessings. I hope you took some time out this Thursday and gave thanks to God. You can't possibly thank him for all the things that he's done because our mind can't even comprehend all of that. In fact, that's part of the prayer that Paul has in Ephesians. I pray that you be able to comprehend and understand all the stuff that God has done for you. And, and you won't be able to hold it all. So it, he's, he's basically saying, I just pray that it blow your mind. 
and that you never forget it, that you walk around in a daze in the glory of God, just totally driven by all that God has done. You just, you, you're like a sponge that has so, soaking in all that it possibly can and, 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 and can take in all of it. You're just trying to take all that God has done. You begin to thank God, as Paul does in Ephesians. He says, I thank God for your faith. He says that in his very first chapter of Ephesians, in verse 13, For this reason, because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayer prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. See, now I'm praying that you just get wrapped up in knowing, being related to, connected to God, all because of Jesus Christ and God's purpose to bring Christ into the world to make this happen. So I pray this season that as we look at the birth of Christ, we will not isolate that to the various scenes around his birth, but they cause us to, 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 to connect that with the whole plan of God and what God has decided to do and has accomplished through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that that would give us the motivation for thanks and for worship and praise. It's not just the gifts that we have. It's not just the things that we enjoy. It's what's going to be ours that's going to stay ours, that is eternal because of Christ. That's what he talks about, these spiritual blessings. Later on in, in Ephesians 1, he talks about in verse 12, about the inheritance that we have. He talks about some of the tangible things, the forgiveness of sins that we enjoy, the Holy Spirit that has come to live within us as a result of Christ and, 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 and his death and resurrection and our union with him, and now we have the Holy Spirit to, 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 to guide us, to teach us, to share with us, to impart to us more and more of who Christ is. That Christ then be the center of, of your life. How do you do that? How do you work that out? How do you plan that? First of all, to make them centered in your thoughts. Now that's a challenge. Because if you're like me, your thoughts just like they just go here and then they go over there. You know? My wife always teases me when she wants to talk. If the TV is on, she gotta turn it off. Because I'm like, oh I hear you. And I'm steady glancing back I'm distracted, is what it is. I'm distracted. We often get distracted with the various things in life and forget the main point of this life. So I'm challenging you, how do you fight that distraction? Well, one of the things that you do is just a discipline that we do is to read God's Word, to take God's Word in, to pray to God on a regular basis that we can do that at least three times a day when we pray for something we put in our mouth. Well, some of us are doing that more than three times a day, and so we can pray more often. 
But it reminds us that everything we do is actually connected to who God is and what he's done for us because of his son. Lord, you've given me this apple to bite on that I might have strength, that I have a tongue that I can taste, that I might even enjoy the nourishment that I get so that I can grow, so that I can continue to have the energy to worship, to praise you to glorify you, to take your name out, to be a testimony for you. How do you want me to do that today? So that you might not get distracted in all the things that we do and lose track of the God who has called us to himself through his son and where Christ is centered in our lives. So you're going to have to intentionally do that. You do that today by coming to church. By looking at God's word, by starting your week with a focus on who he is and why he is so central and important to your very life. But then as you go through your day, as you go through your week, be sure to, to, to continue to, to make those connections so that you don't stay distracted from who God is and what he's doing. As you look at the events of the day, as you hear the news of the day, Think about it, reflect on it, and see how that goes along in God's purpose. I've been watching the news of what's happening in the Middle East. I've been watching the news of what's happening all over the world. And one thing I can clearly see, and you can see, is that, hey, this world is suffering in the midst of sin, and we wait, like the re revelation that John said, even so, Lord, come quickly. We're looking for you to come and to do the remedy that this world cries out for. I'm also reminded there's no solution outside of Christ. We've tried it all. Man cannot resolve any of its problems because his main problem is sin. Jesus came to be a ransom for our sin, to pay the price for our sin. We connect. We recognize so that we celebrate not Christmas in a mundane, worldly way, but that we reflect on the truth of what God is doing through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. What he did, what he's doing now, and what he's going to do. So let me just wrap up by looking at those two verses again in Ephesians chapter 1. When he said this, In verse 10, the end of verse 9 and verse 10, where it says this. According to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. And then Ephesians 1 verse 22 and he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who feels all in all. I'm going to ask for our praise team if they would prepare as they come forward for our song at the end of this service. And as they come, would you reflect on how God wants you to have your thoughts centered on the Lord Jesus Christ through our Christmas season.
you'll get distracted, you'll get involved in a number of things, but will you focus on Jesus, who he is, and God's purpose for him, and how God has called you as a believer into this purpose? I'm going to have us stand. Would you stand with me right now? I'm going to have a word of prayer, and then the song that is listed for us will be led in song. Let's bow. Father, we give you thanks. We just come through our Thanksgiving week, and we admit we cannot thank you enough. We need to take time out to worship and to praise and to thank you for what you've done. Those of us here today who are born again recognize and need to recognize what you have done in calling us out of sin and into yourself through the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, that was part of your purpose. You said that you chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before you said, let there be light, you had a plan and purpose for us individually to be reconnected with you. And that purpose is worked out through the Lord Jesus Christ. For this, we give you worship and praise. And it also shows, Lord, that you own us. We belong to you. May we embrace your ownership. Not push away from it, but thank you that such a glorious, loving, merciful God has called ownership over us. We think of how you have called us into adoption. In other words, you've declared yourself to be our father and all the rights and privileges of that belong to you and to us as well. So you tell us what to do as father in our lives. You have that authority. But we also know that it comes from the loving one who's given us life. So we embrace that. And we see all this accomplished through the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our Savior. So, Lord, as we reflect more and more on your word, help us to help us to be full of praise and worship to you. And then as the choir sang, Lord, I'm available to you, that we might just daily surrender ourselves, remembering who you are, giving ourselves each and every day to be totally 100% yours, submitted to you. So as we sing now, praise God from whom all blessings flow. May we go from here with that attitude that our lives belong to you. We willingly give that to you. And you've made your son the center of your plan. May we make him the center of our lives. We pray this in Jesus' name.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. 